Hello guys and welcome to the Venture Property Podcast or YouTube channel depending on where you are watching or listening to this from. Thank you for joining us on this video again or podcast today. Today we are sponsored by Land Insight which is the ultimate tool for people to find deals. You can do your comps, you can do absolutely everything and I use that daily to find sites to develop. Following on from the new theme then, you seem, you guys seem to really, really like it. So I've got another interview with Ricky Darlow today. The last interview, as I said, was really, really popular. You like the nitty gritty of the deal. So as I said, Ricky Darlow is on today. And I'm sure some of you know this guy and you've seen him all around the socials. I know I have. He always looks really, really smart, just like he does today. <laughs> Here he is laughing. He started in the construction industry when he was 16 and he's gained such a so, so much experience. I cannot even begin to tell you in such a short time. He's now 36. As you can see in this video, he's had a really good paper round. He is financially independent and is working very hard towards Darlow Homes becoming a major UK developer, which I know he will achieve. Ricky, thank you for coming on. How are you today? Yes, thanks for inviting me. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, a charm gets you everywhere. So I'm feeling a little bit better already. <laughs> ah, just trying to warm you up. Yeah, that's it, yeah. So this whole format that I've decided to do now is about people's best deal. And I want to get to people, to successful people like you and talk about the favorite deal or, or a deal that you really enjoyed. So can you tell the audience about one of those deals? I know you've got hundreds. I've got, well, yes. Um, yeah, when you asked me this question, obviously it was I had to have a little think about it in what sort of scale. I guess the best one, the one that really sort of uh, chiselled um, my sort of our company's gro growth and where we wanted to move towards was our sort of last uh, ten house scheme that was all sort of completed now in uh, Nuneaton. And where, uh, you know that doing that, we faced some challenges. But say comparing that to say previous sites was going, going to buy to lets and then HMOs and now move into sort of big development deals that 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 really sort of pushes towards yeah this is the direction that we're wanting to go and grow into so that was the start of of bigger deals if you like and that was the one that yeah was uh, probably our favorite deal to date from that respect wow so how did this deal come about then how did you how did you find the deal so, because um, it was one of our first ones, it was nothing particularly fancy in terms of how we sourced it. You know, we wasn't using Land Insight at the time and going direct to vendor and things that we're using now. Um, and that was our experience, obviously, learning that, that, you know, the real value that we found is actually in the planning uplift a lot of the time as opposed to mm. uh, getting sites with, with planning already. But um, we were really keen just to get stuck into a site and get, get our build experience up. Um, so I'd actually built one house before as well as building the I have, uh, HMOs in London and Northampton and things um, and, and built one house and really enjoyed that. So went on to do 10 and we found this site in Nuneaton. Literally, it was on right move. It had outline planning. Mm -hmm. um, it was on for 280000 which was pretty cheap really for outline for 10 houses. Yeah. Um, done the figures. It's stacked. Um and yeah, that, that that was it really. And then we we yeah we we negotiated. I think it was on for a bit more than that, but we negotiated it for two hundred and eighty. And then we went on then to take it from outline to full planning, um, which put the value of the land up by you know a significant sum just doing that. So yeah, it was um, that was the start. It was nothing fancy, if you like. It was just a simple um, right move. It it fit. It stuck in our criteria. It's one hour 
travel from our house, um, from our office, or is our house at the time, our home office. Yes, so that was that was how we found it. Mm. Wow. So then this this site's got outline planning. How did you decide what to do with the with the style of the houses, the layout, and all that that kind of stuff? Yeah. So we really just wanted our main priority was to increase the GDV of the site, obviously to get its maximum uh, potential out of it. Um, so we we worked with our architect and agents, looked at what um, were potentially selling well um, in the area. So what was the market wanting, um, and then also how could we get the best value out out of each plot, if you like. So we had some of the plots were um, detached. We had some terrace, and then I think it was five terrace, four terrace, and six detached units on the site. Um, and we, yeah, so we increased the GDB by that way. Some of them had, you know, floors in the roof space and things like that. You know, so it's like two and a half floors, if you like. Um, and yeah, we, and that was just really working with the architect and your agents, just finding out what the market needs. And, you know, would we be better to try and fit? just have all terraces on there, for example, or do you want some detached units? And that is just doing your sort of feasibility into the area, really. And that, that that's how we determined it and then went ahead with our planning and it all went through. It took a lot longer than what we wanted, actually. So, um, as you know, that this is a slow and steady wins and race kind of game. Yeah, it is in development. I think it's it's all glitz and glamour, isn't it? And people are like, oh, development is is amazing. And it is a lot of fun. But it's just time, you know. You can you can buy a site with outline planning and still not break ground for a while because you've got to go through the full planning. You've got to get those discharge of conditions, and that can just take you forever. Was there was there much to to sort out on this application? Yeah, there was. Um, there was. It did take. It took about eighteen weeks, something like that. Uh, sorry, longer than. 22 weeks actually it took yeah so it was a considerable amount of time but and especially you're quite eager can we you know are we ready here and get moved but it, it, yeah. every time every step you're learning you know so fr- from that I learned not to just sort of sit back and let councils do their job I was literally on the phone to eat so that the planning officer said oh we're waiting for transport so I'll ring the transport officer you know what what are you waiting for here and then oh we're waiting for that you know highway and it would just go around and I would just be badgering them and even with that sort of uh, momentum it was still taking the time you, you can only push them a certain amount but I think at every step you are learning you know it's, and, it, and it does take time and that was probably one of the biggest things that we learned as well was um whatever time you've got as programmer up to getting on site potentially double it if not a bit more because it can take a lot longer than what you want yeah definitely I think just one of the things that you mentioned there is great for the the people listening just to to pick up on is that you've got on the phone and I think that's that is so crucial in in any business but especially in property just to get on the phone and see what is actually holding it up and see if you can move things along people seem to be reluctant to do that but i think if you get on the phone and you get relationships with people you can you can push a little bit yeah don't don't be scared just because it's mm. the council you think it might mess up your application you, what you soon learn is that councils are probably understaffed they've got so much work Yep. and laughed underpaid um what you're doing in a way by ringing and hassling you're sort of helping them in a way even though they might not see that but it is because they sometimes forget where they're at with their applications and you're sort of helping 
just push it along um, and you, you have to be that all the way through whether it's councils architects consultants and everyone's so busy aren't they so you've got to you know where they say where attention flows energy goes results go. Um, and, and I think it's true you know you, you need to get in people's heads and uh, get your application or your case or your design your project pushed forward through through the realms of towards getting your end result through planning sales it's a constant drive you know it's a constant drive to get your results you want it is that's a definite that's a gold tip for people listening so you get this site how how was this site funded then so funding so um we had probably around a hundred thousand of our own capital and put in um which covered sort of the planning, the rest of the planning fees and professional fees to get it from outline to full. Um, mm-hmm. that, that came from sales, as I said, I've built a house previously um, and I had, I had saving and yeah, I think I'd sold a HMO or something at the time or maybe just a buy to let. So I had some capital from that um, and then we worked with Investor Finance then to fund the rest of it. So um yeah, we created like a business plan, if you like, uh, or in, people call them investment packs or brochures, whatever, however you want it. But it's really is a business plan of your investment document. Um, what what the um, what the deal was stacking like, really, what it would be worth when it was finished, your gross development value, what it's going to cost to build, et cetera, et cetera, and what the returns could be. And then we had investors then. I mean, I the, my main investor, funnily enough, is one that I actually met in the gym about eight years ago. Um, so you never know who you're talking to. Um, he's a wealthy guy. He's he, He's got his finger in a lot of different investments, stock shares, property, um, business-related things. And we was obviously offering attractive rates. And um, he, he had that. I had credibility, I guess, with him before because he's friends with me on social media a bit so that even though we're not seeing each other every day they, they can sit you know when i was doing hmos or i was doing extensions with clients or uh, i had a construction company for for a short period of time when um, uh, i finished working yeah so i had a property background for a good amount of time and construction management delivery program. so that helped with my credibility with in raising capital so for a first deal um in with raising investment funds it, it actually went a lot better than what i was expecting you, you know you, you initially think well who's going to want to lend money to our projects you know but it's um it, it's actually not as difficult as what you could potentially think if you're offering the right returns and you you know you're credible enough to be able to raise it yeah, I think there's a few a few bits of gold there as well. It's the the gym, for example. I've I've met a couple of investors in the gym as well, and it's like you you get trying to them in the gym here, and then two or three years down the line, you've got them on social media, and like you say, you're posting. They're seeing what you're doing, so you're building that credibility. Especially the wealthy guys, they want to see where you're going to be in a year, in two years' time. Then the conversation could potentially go into a. a a JV. They don't want you just knocking on their door two weeks in saying, can you lend me half a million quid? Because yeah, yeah. It's, it's not going to happen. But the, I think the gym is an absolute fantastic place to meet joint venture partners because you've got that shared interest and you can you can build up that, that rapport quite quickly. Yeah, um, it's, it's not too pushy, is it, in terms of, you know, you're just there and it's not like you're just trying to sell them something or sell them your idea. And I, yeah. I mean, social media was good for us 
for that as well not in terms of direct like oh you know come and invest with us but actually just putting if you're doing something productive and useful in your field you know you you you're putting it out there, letting people know what you're doing mm. um, because then they can step people, even though they might not be contacting you about it, they are watching, you know, yes. watching and they are seeing what you, how you, you're growing. So then when you do come to approach someone, um, they probably know more about you than what you realised, you know. That's mm. um, so, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, raising money through from investors and uh, a bit of our own funds as well. Fantastic. And again, you mentioned another very valid point about using social media, saying, showing the value that, that you're giving because people need touch points. And if they can see that you're doing well, then that's that's going to definitely help. So you've got this now, you've got it, you've got it done. Well, you've got it bought, you've gone through the, the planning. Now you're about to break the ground. What happened during the build? What happened during the build? Um, yeah, the, obviously, I'm not going to sit here and say it was all smooth sailing because there was some things that happened, some that you're out with your control, um, which made it difficult. I mean, we um, initially it went very well with the um, groundworks. We had excellent groundworks, um, there, and it was quite a tricky site. There was um, 200 metres of retaining walls to build on it, a mains foul um, and storm sewer diversion. Um huge attenuation tanks you know some really quite technical ground uh, yeah. stuff for, for a big site like that um sloping site heavily sloped as well so all these problems that we and we um from you know having good contractors in sort of overcome them and, and that's one thing that you know you have to spend quite a bit of time when you're tendering if you are because we were main contractor on that so we had site manager and then or project manager and then individual work packages um as opposed to going paying a main contractor just to deliver it all so we acted but we that didn't phase us because we came from a main contracting background myself working as construction site managers for years before so it was sort of a natural sort of tendency to do that um but even still with all of that knowledge all of that background degrees in construction management diplomas in construction (laughs) experience uh shit still hits the fan if you want to call it like that and, it, and yeah there's problems so um yeah we had a bit of an our site manager um started underperforming at one point not you know we was getting messages from guys saying they was ordering materials and they're not turning up and things like this and that went on we got a bit concerned um and then he sort of disappeared for a bit and uh, it, it turned around his father had got terminally ill and actually later on passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, that was something completely, you know, out of our control. And, you know, so it was it was a very difficult time for him. Um, and then it was at quite a crucial stage of the programme as well. So we had to then go in and get another site manager to pick up for where he'd gone without really a handover either. And it was sort of starting. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine that is um, there's a few challenges with that, especially when you work really deep into your program. Um, so, so that was a challenge um, in terms of management and you know getting the right people up back on there to get to steer the ship in in, in the right direction. But w- we did, we managed it, and um, yeah, that that was unex- unexpected. But you know, it's uh, we overcome it. Mm, sounds good. It sounds sounds like a lot of sites out there. Yeah, yeah, no, it is, and that's just what you know. There was there's other issues like our uh, retaining walls, for example, were um, designed to be precast, and then as we was into the program, um, they the designers said it it couldn't work with the loading, so we had to then just hand build 
200 meters of retaining walls on concrete, you know, um, things. Uh, yeah, so that was interesting yeah. and it increased the cost as well. But we, we, again, we had excellent bricklayers on. I think our bricklayers, um, the, the ground, the building regulations officer said that they're the, it's the best brickwork he's seen in that entire area, you know, within a sort of one hour vicinity of our site. Um, right. And um, but I, I knew the bricklayers personally, you know, this team of guys, and um, I knew they were really good. I knew they were competent, so they managed to deal with that well. You know, t- taking design changes, and obviously there was extra costs involved with that, which you have to then do a bit of a juggling act to uh, manage. But um, yeah, we we managed it. Yeah. Wow, sounds good. How did you how did you pick the the contractors then? Contractors. Um, well, we. So we had a QS originally that um, was tendering for us um, and then he obviously had, but then if we had ones that we wanted to put forward for recommendation, like our Brickworks, our Brickworks, for example, my cousin's husband um, and he's got a brick lane firm and they were like, basically with that, he was like, they were like the top guys on their sites for Taylor Wimpies and things and they wanted to start on their own. So we gave him their break of starting on ours for a really good price um, to give him his break. But then we knew they were really, really good for Taylor Wimpies. So it, Obviously, is a bit of a you know can cause problems using friends and family, and I, I agree with the saying don't really use them at times. But if you know that they're good guys yeah. and they're going to deliver, then you have to take that you know weigh that up a bit as well. Mm. So yeah, so ma- but mainly Q- Q- QS would can do all your tendering for you um, at, at a cost, but then yeah. they will save you in the in the long run. Oh, definitely. And and a lot of the times they're used to dealing with different people. They've rated them. They've worked on many projects with them as well. So it it, it helps you out. It's yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't. They've got their industry contacts as well. You know, so that they know and they know what thing because they'll do your estimate of costs initially for you, and so you've got to give you an idea. But then then when the work packages are sent out for tender. They can sort of, but you know, sort of negotiate with each package to try and get you the best price. Um, so, because you've got an idea of what that's going to cost as well from your estimate. So, yeah, it's well worth having a QS. I think don't try and just do everything yourself. Mm. They're worth the weight in gold. Just having professionals in, in each place because you could have a tendency to try and cut corners, but that could ultimately come and bite you later on. So QS to do your tendering and QS to do your cost monitoring throughout the project. Mm. I think that's a that's a gold tip as well. And, and coming from somebody who's got a massive construction background like yourself, I think that's that is definitely what people should be doing. It yeah. does make it a lot easier. And they, they that's what they do day in, day out. So it lets you focus on what you actually want to do. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I mean, to, to be honest, now with um, other projects that we've been doing and looking at, that we're probably not going, to, we'll be appointing main contractors to do all of it. So it won't be us doing individual work packages because it, it goes down to your time. Like as you said, typically you're going to pay 10% more on your construction costs for having sort of a, a main contractor in overseeing everything. But where's your time better spent? Is it overseeing construction delivery or is it getting deals and working with investors and growing your business and that's what you have to weigh up and that was the decision we've made to that's the route we're going down on on other deals and deals we're doing now Mm, smart decision i like it so the end results then of this site what what happened yeah so we um there was a few things so the 
the site went well. We did. We was about a month over program, which wasn't too bad, really. Um, got it completed, and then we sold five very quickly. And it was the lower end actual properties. The terraces helped to buy, went out the door very quickly. The other five were lagging a bit in terms of sales. Um, and what it was all my. It was originally my intention. We was looking at just doing a complete build to rent on the whole site to retain the stock, um, but. We wanted to have liquidity as well for future, so it's balancing it out. So we had the intention, look, we'll, we'll go to sell, see how well they do sell for. Um, and the ones that don't potentially then hang on to them to rent out, you know, the ones that don't sell as quickly. So it, that's that's how we sort of came to the exit, if you like, and that's exactly what we did. So we sold five, and then we um, I refinanced five onto buy to let. Mm-hmm. so we did so because i'd sold a few other um, properties of my own as well so i thought i wanted to retain more stock for long-term capital growth and rental yield as well as having liquidity from your sales so and that's a strategy as well that we're going to be sticking with moving forward as well trying to keep hold of some not everything but on every site is keeping hold of some mm. i think it's a smart way to do it to be honest yeah, yeah, and as I said, I think we were talking to it before the call, but yeah. uh, you know, just having you got a new build and having a family let or you know a, a couple or something like that, you don't hear. I haven't had any complaints, any problems, nothing. It's not like where you've got you know eight different tenants on your HMO from all different backgrounds and yeah, uh, yeah all these problems. It's it's easy, and obviously after five years or whatever, when there's a lot more maintenance needed, there's going to be a bit more involvement potentially. But at the moment, I think that's where we're wanting to go and grow. Is you know, do you go build to rent? Do you go build to sell? For us, it's having that liquidity with your sales. But then withholding some of your stock to, to for that longer term capital growth and that sort of buffer of monthly cash flow. Mm, yeah, it's strange. Actually, I was talking to a vendor just this morning. Mass, does not need does not need money in any way, shape, or form. A lot of land wants single lets. So if if yeah. I am to build on her land, yes, I can do it. But part of the deal is I have to pay her a little bit of money, less than she'd get if she put it on the market, but then I have to provide her with a couple of houses throughout the phasing of the build. Yeah. She yeah. wants singlets. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. And you, you can see why, because, you know, finance, I think, like, say, funding on their finance was got 3.74% interest rates, which is pretty good, isn't it? You know, we're in a good... Amazing. Uh, low interest, locked in for five years. Um got good tenants um long term you know they're all renewing their tenancies and things mm. like that so and you, you keep them for 20 30 years or whatever they're going to be worth quite a good amount of money in the long run as well so mm. i think warren buffet was sort of saying recently that uh, family lets you know on long-term 30-year mortgages are, are, are a great investment because you've got mm. so and, and i think and i agree they're just less hassle um but, and give you that long-term picture as well of you know of that long-term growth so mm. that's what wanting. but if you just kept hold of all of your stock that you built you know you might run out of you know liquidity as well so that, that's why we need to keep cash coming in as well to help the growth mm. that's a very smart smart way of doing it i like the way that you look at things and approach it and you protect that downside i like that I like that a lot. Just talking to you today is—it's great, and you've opened up on that. And thank you for that. So, the, what are the biggest lessons that you've learned then over doing that deal? 
biggest lessons? Um, that's a good question. I, I suppose, yeah, having a very competent site management um, is a big lesson because if if you haven't got that, problems can arise, you know, so because like don't try and save on your costs for your site management, for example, because they are your sort of lead coordinator on there. And if they're not driving the, the site or not getting things finished to the correct quality or on program, that can ultimately cost you quite a lot. So, um, yeah, yeah, just have good management. It's like anything, you know, you need good management and good people in the right places and, and spend a bit of time with that and making sure you, you just got to get in get it done on time and get out as quick as possible, you know, and, and the site manager's responsibility is getting it done on program and on budget and on quality. So if your one isn't meeting them standards, ultimately it's going to cost you, well, it's going to cost you financially and give you a headache. So yeah, that, that that's what I would, yeah, that's probably one of the key points of that particular scheme. Mm. Fantastic. So we're coming to, towards the end now. So if, if anybody does want to get in touch with you, how can they how can they do that? Yeah, so uh, my email is ricky at darlowhomes.co.uk or I'm on social media and uh, things like if you just do a search, we've got a Facebook profile of Darlow Homes um, and then we're on Instagram as well, Darlow Homes. So yeah, and we, we're on the circuit. We're speaking at different events and things like that. We've got another one coming up this month um, for the um, Cambridge Milton Keynes Oxford Corridor. I'm speaking there about the opportunities that are within that. So uh, that's on the 22nd of January. Um, so we'll be down there if you wanted to come and say hi, then please do. Cool, fantastic. And I'll put a link to all of that information as well in the show notes so people will be able to to just click them and get straight to you. So thank you very much for coming on, Ricky. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks. I enjoyed it.